47. The title of this morning's message is Fellowship. Fellowship. Oftentimes, you know, I, uh, as I meet different people in different setting, settings, um, one of the things that you can ask is, you know, without knowing anything about them, is just ask, where do you fellowship? It's, it's a, for some people, it's a strange question, right? But you can ask anyone that. Uh, where do you fellowship? And, uh, and if they are part of a fellowship, they'll tell you. Um, fellowship is not a word that is commonly used, right? It's more of like, well, what do you do for a living or, you know, whatever it is. You know, do you have a family? Do you have kids? Um, all kinds of different questions, but, but not that one. You quickly find out whether they are actively participating in any church. And then, I'm just telling you, you can use that as a kind of a icebreaker, uh, start a conversation with someone, and guide them, you know, either in uh, the, the uh, explanation of the gospel, the presentation of the gospel, um, or at the very least, um, to encourage them to come on out to refuge and, uh, and see what the Lord's doing here, and so be moved by the Spirit. So this morning, we're going to talk about fellowship what it is, what it is not also. And uh, so let's start out by reading these verses and then we'll get into it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time of study. I pray, Lord, that has, as has already been prayed, Lord, and I simply say amen and agree with these prayers that you would um, relieve us of any distractions. I pray, Lord, that we would hear, expecting to hear from you, and that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, that by your spirit you would teach us and help us to know how it is that we are to take what we hear this morning and bless you by its application. And so, Lord, teach us this morning. We know that your word does not return void. And so your your purpose for us coming together is that we would grow, that we would mature. And for others, that they may see your character, how much you love each and every one of us. And what it is that you truly desire. And that is an intimate relationship, a koinonia, communion, interaction. And we can know that by first surrendering our lives to you. And secondly, by learning how to walk with you. Teach us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So fellowship is defined in the dictionary as um, friendly association. 
especially with people who share common interests, companionship, sociability, friendship, mutual support, mutual respect, mutual liking, association, closeness, togetherness, solidarity. And we need to understand that fellowship or communion or koinonia. Koinonia, by the way, is, is the Greek word that is used for communion, for coming together. And, and I pray that, that through this study that we, that we uh, learn a bit more what that looks like. Because we, we do throw that word around a lot, uh, just loosely, right? What do you do? Oh, we're just fellowshipping together. You know, what is that? <laughs> What's fellowshipping? We're always talking about fellowship. You know, is it just gathering together? We're going to learn what, what that is. Because fellowship is the ens- essence of the Christian life. It, it is the intrinsic nature of Christian life. It is the indispensable quality of Christian life. Fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers in Christ. In other words, this is, it's critical that we come to know and understand and learn what it looks like to truly fellowship as Christians. In the beginning, Adam was created and placed in the Garden of Eden to enjoy a fellowship, to enjoy fellowship with God, communion with Him, an intimate friendship and communion with God. But God gave Adam and Eve this thing called volition or free will. And they chose to assert self-rule rather than the Lord's rule. Rather than taking the Creator's gracious care. And instead they chose to do that which was opposed to the Lord. And fellowship was broken. It was broken at that time. Adam and Eve were made aware of their sin and attempted to hide themselves. We know that, right? From the presence of the Lord. But where can you go that he is not? That's what they needed to learn. When, when he said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't a game of hide and seek. It wasn't that the Lord, you know, couldn't, he didn't know. You know, Adam, I, I, I can't see you. Where are you? No, it was like, hey, listen, Adam, you're blinded right now. You think you can hide from me, but you cannot. Your eyes were opened to understand and realize And this was for your own good, that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have, that's called conviction. By the way, when we we try to hide ourselves, when we try and isolate isolate ourselves, when, when we do that, that's good. That's good that we have an awareness of that. Why? Because we are through that, through that conviction, brought to that place where we are faced with a decision to make. Either continue trying to hide ourselves or confess. Confession is the breaking down of pride. It's a humility that overwhelms you before a holy and righteous God. And you say, okay, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I have sinned. Please forgive me. It's good. But Adam and Eve, they they try to hide themselves from from the Lord, the presence of the Lord. For God is love, but he is also just. And he is just to judge our sin. But God did something amazing. Instead of immediately judging them, which he could have, he instead sought them out. Imagine this. This is why God's character is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at the Old Testament. It is full of God's grace and mercy, his compassion. Uh, Oh, he is so long-suffering toward us. He could have judged them, 
right there. He could have said, no, starting over. Adam and Eve, you're out. We're going to start again. And keep doing it until you guys get it right. But he didn't do that. He sought them out and revealed his plan for the ultimate restoration of sinners through the work of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. In fact, it was first declared in Genesis. Did you know that? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The plan of salvation is right there. Jot it down. Genesis 3.15. The Proto-Evangelium. The first declaration of the gospel. Right there. This is God's love. And this is his grace demonstrated to us from the very beginning of time. Fellowship is a very special word that describes the relationship that God made possible and has desired to enjoy with us. The crown of his creation. For he made us in his image. No other created animals were made in his image. It was, just, it was you and I. Imagine that. You and I. And so from the very beginning, he wanted to restore that relationship. He wanted to have communion with us. And so he had laid out the plan of salvation. And Jesus came and took our place on the cross. Oh, the power of the cross. The Old Testament tells us how God began to draw a special people to himself. We learned of that. Enoch was a man who walked with God. Noah was in communion with God. Abraham was called the friend of God. Moses was a man who spoke face uh, face to face with God as a friend speaks to a friend. David wrote psalms that reflected a man after God's own heart. Regarding the New Testament... As a result of Christ's finished work on the cross, God now makes his permanent residence in the heart of the believer. For this reason, the fellowship which now prevails under the new covenant is the vital spiritual union of the believer with Jesus Christ. But the gospel doesn't just restore fellowship with God. He is also interested in and desires a restoration of fellowship among believers. By that we demonstrate that we are His. You see, the Last Supper is a great illustration of the relationship between the vertical and horizontal dimensions of fellowship. Just simply in that scene right there, every time you look at another picture or drawing of the Last Supper, just think about that. It's a great illustration of the relationship between the vertical and horizontal, vertical with the Lord and horizontal dimensions of fellowship. All right there in that picture. Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 25. These followers of Jesus Christ had hearts that were knit together because of the love and commitment they shared for Christ. And later, they discovered that their hearts were strongly united out of their common loyalty to Jesus. And we now come to the time that follows the cross, that follows the, the 40 days that Jesus walked with his disciples and taught them. And 10 days after he ascended, the day of Pentecost, when 3,000 people came to salvation, surrendering their hearts to Jesus Christ and coming to belief in him, that we now begin to see the workings of fellowship. And how was it that restoration is at work amongst us? Oh, the birth of the church. How exciting is this? Let's study that. Let's take a look at how it is as the Holy Spirit was poured out on God's people. 
as they believed in Jesus Christ, how it was that the church came together and, and, and began to learn what it was to fellowship, to have true communion with the Lord and with each other. The society of people in fellowship with God and with one another formed and headed up by Christ. In the fellowship of the followers of Jesus Christ, there's a camaraderie, a sense of togetherness that is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It's pretty amazing. You can go to any part of the world. And once you realize that, that you're walking in light, in other words, you're walking in God's truth according to God's word, and you meet a fellow believer... You may not know each other's languages like each other's, you know, how how we speak, you know, very well. But you have this common person that you worship. And it's amazing how your hearts are, are knit together at that very moment. We've gone to Haiti, right? Same thing. We, we, we have people that immediately it's like, oh, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ. First John 1 John 1.7 means that Jesus Christ is the source of all spiritual communion. And it is only when we rightly relate to the Lord that we experience true fellowship with another Christian. There was a, an anonymous writer that wrote this, quote, You cannot draw near to God if you are at a distance from your brother, close quote. The Bible says it this way. That's anonymous, but this one isn't. God said this. 1 John 2, 9 and 10. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Right? This introduction to fellowship is important to understand. I I, I felt like I needed to bring you back from, from Genesis all the way through. It's important to understand this because it is the divinely declared foundation upon which we today build the fellowship of believers. I I believe the church has, has gone to a place to where we've made it something that God didn't intend for it to be. I'm sorry to say, and I'm sorry to report to you, that the church is not here to entertain you. There are times, and I'll, t- I'll confess this to you, there will be times when you may come to church and you'll leave feeling worse than when you came. What, what I'm saying by, you know, I, I'm not saying that it, this isn't a good place to come. It is. What I'm saying is that you may want, if, especially, you may be here this morning and what you hear, you're like, you didn't want to hear. And so if you fail, I'll tell you this, if you fail to confess, and that is that you, your will is opposed to the Lord, and you fail to repent, then you will walk away deeply convicted and yet not having resolved anything here. Other than hearing the truth of God's word. That's why I'm, I'm telling you that sometimes you may walk through those doors, and you may hear something that you didn't want to hear, and if you don't, respond to that 
then you'll walk away the same person other than having heard the truth. But I promise you, as I, I, I learned this, I stopped fighting against the Lord, stopped going against his word. It's like, you know, a person who continues to have the same opinion again, that's against the word of God uh, will live a, a life that you know you're opposed to the Lord. I, I did that for a while. I lived in misery. I was, I was my own. I was the worst thing that could happen to me. I remember fighting against the Lord. Until one day I just simply surrendered to him. Never regretted that day ever since. Not at all. This fellowship is important. God made a way to have fellowship with him. Once we, get, once we have that right, then our horizontal, our relationships with each other will fall into place. When we don't have that right, we don't have these right. We will never have them right. This is the divinely declared foundation upon which we today build the fellowship of believers. It is not what we believe it is, but what God has stated in his word that it is. In fellowship, we stir each other up to love and good works. We are built up in Christ. We exercise our gifts for the benefit of the church, not to build ourselves up and for our own benefit. That, I'm sorry, it has crept into the church. You see a lot of superstars rising up amongst the ranks of believers in the church. And and they're out to really put themselves in the spotlight. Let no man seek the spotlight. Let the man who is exalted truly be exalted by the Lord to be used by him. Christian fellowship is the communion of the believers of Jesus Christ in communion with Jesus Christ, according to Scripture, to the glory of God. The following is how the Bible describes the fellowship of the saints. A church church as defined by Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, the founder of the church, the shepherd of his sheep. He is the shepherd of the sheep. Look to him. Me as his under-shepherd? I'm like that person who comes along like a, like a John the Baptist, you could say, and just every pastor should be this. Don't look to me. Continue to look to Jesus Christ. He is your shepherd. I am not your shepherd. I'm simply the person who encourages you to follow him. That's all we're here to do, to explain, to articulate, hopefully, help you understand what we have before us. That's it. We have him before us. We're going to see here a devotion to the word and fellowship. And this is how the church is put together. This is the fellowship of the saints. A devotion to the word of God and fellowship. A devotion to each other and a devotion to corporate worship. We're going to focus a little bit more on the first one and then the others follow as we do that. So, verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Just previous to this and leading up to this fellowship of believers, 120 disciples gathered together waiting for the Holy Spirit as they were given command by Jesus. And Peter preached the gospel after the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people believed and were saved. And now we have over 3,000 people who have been transformed by the grace of God. They have new hearts with a new, new desire to demonstrate to God that they are grateful for the salvation that they have come to know through Jesus Christ. 
Those of you who have been walking with the Lord for some time, do you remember the time when you first came to Christ? Remember how thankful you were? Remember that transformation? Oh, there's the old you, but now I'm a new creation. I have new eyes. I, I truly do. I have new eyes. I have new heart. I have new desires. I, I don't want the things of the past or the old things. I, I want I, Those make, things make me sick. I, I want to move forward because I see them for what they are. Now I'm moving forward. I have this newness in me. Why? Because I'm a new creature in Christ. And there were over 3,000 souls who had ex- just experienced this. I just come to know this. Having new hearts with new desires to demonstrate to God that they were grateful for the salvation that they had come to know by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And they were eagerly desiring to know how to live lives that glorify the Lord. That's the other thing that marks the Christian, the new Christian. You know, I, I love getting these questions especially from, from new believers. You know, how about this or that? You know, just asking questions in regards to the Bible. This is what it looks like. There was a devotion, which means that they possessed a love, love a loyalty, and an enthusiasm for and a steadfast and single-minded fidelity for the teaching of God's Word, number one. Number two, fellowship. Number three, And you're going to like this. Eating together. And number four, praying. You know, the Bible, if you go through it, they ate a lot. They really did. There was always a time when there was, okay, you know, Martha was busy. Mary was sitting. It was a time of eating, right? Um, When they were all reclining at table with Jesus, there was a time of breaking bread. They were eating. There's, there's all kinds of, in fact, we're going to enjoy a feast in heaven. There's, there's all this time. You know, the, the most used room when people gather together in a home is, you know what it is? Oh, I thought it was the living room. It's not. It's the kitchen. You want a cup of coffee? Grab a cup of coffee. Oh, you grab a, you know, some bread or a cookie or something. You're all there. You're at all there at the kitchen. The kitchen should be the biggest part of the house. It's just right there. You're reclining at table, enjoying that time together. All of these things, this is foundational to the church. These people had no departure from the apostles' doctrine is what we see here. No departure. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to their, that teaching, which today we would know as the New Testament. We have it right before us. And is to be looked at as the truth of God. A devotion to the teaching of God's word. That, that's the first thing. I and no, and no other pastor have anything to add to the original apostles teaching. We, do no, we don't have anything. Nothing, I'm not original. There's no original pastor that's teaching God's word. Nothing. We can try and be original. But we'll always fall short. As the saying goes, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. Right? I've simply devoted myself to preaching and touch and teaching, preaching and teaching the word of God. That, that's it, as it is. I, I am unoriginal in every sense of the word as it pertains to the, this work of God's word. The foundation of a sound fellowship of believers is the personal and corporate study of God's word. 
That's foundational. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. In other translations, it says, Study to show yourself approved to God, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling or dividing the word of truth. In other words, you get to know the word of God, and then as you, you're dealt with different things in your life, and you're faced with different circumstances, it's like, oh, this applies here, this applies there. And you apply God's word. And for you and to you, to know God's word and learn how to apply it has become wisdom, godly wisdom. Second Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete Equipped for every good work. Do you possess a love, loyalty, and enthusiasm for the Word of God? The reading, the study, meditation of the Word of God? Psalm 1, jot that down, read through it. See what a a person who really is devoted to, committed to the Word of God looks like. Because this is foundational, again, for sound fellowship. If you don't know how to develop a relationship with God that glorifies him by knowing and applying the word of God, then your relationship with, the, with others will also suffer. If you don't know how to nurture that, how to, how to grow in the Lord, in other words, how to, we use that word grow, but it's maturing. And maturing comes by knowing, do you know how to act? You know, don't act a fool, Right? Don't act like an immature little kid that runs around uncontrolled, like just out of control. You know, parents need to teach their kids how to be under self-control. You know, number one, it's applied outwardly, you know, sometimes forcefully sit down. No, sit down. I said sit down, right? Sit down. This is not the time to do this. And this is not the time to say that. So there's an external discipline. But the Lord desires that we exercise self-discipline. That only comes by maturing in Christ. There's a certain point where we can take a look at our kids and and say, they've matured. They have that self-discipline. Up until that point, they're undisciplined. What, what, What do we, how are we? Are we reflecting that maturity in Christ? Or are we still throwing tantrums? Are we still allowing our external circumstances to control and lead the way we, the way we act? Well, develop a relationship with the Lord. Meet with Him regularly in His Word and in prayer, in the fellowship of the saints, and you will grow. Do you daily sit under the teaching of God's Word personally? And get into his word. Another foundational element of the church is a devotion to fellowship. Might be something simple for us, right? Like, duh, you know, get together. No, but you, you would be surprised, perhaps not, I don't know, how many people neglect the fellowship of the saints coming together. Because koinonia is another word for fellowship, to share, to share. 
Have you come to receive or have you come to share? Because, because really, this gathering together is all designed to corporately worship the Lord, but it's, it is to share of each other, of ourselves with each other. That's what, that's what it's designed to do. That's how it's expected for us to conduct ourselves, to share of ourselves. We need to learn how to share. As kids, we were taught, and as adults, sometimes we slip back into our natural fallen way of thinking and refuse to. No, it's, it's all mine. It's all for me. What are you going to give me? What are you going to provide for me? You know, we want to go to a church that has it all. Provide for me. And yet we fail to see that we are actually the ones that are supposed to be providing the things that are needed in the church. And so how is it that the Lord can use you if you keep trying to, you know, find something that the church can give you in a church that perhaps doesn't have that but needs it? And you're the one that is supposed to start that ministry. You're supposed to start doing that work. We need to, we need to, this is something that we can comprehend, right? We need to start thinking like mature kids. God, forgive us when we act like little babies, like little kids, being selfish. Because what the Lord desires is a fellowship in which we are participants, sharing with other believers, having a mutual love for Jesus, for the word of God, for the worship of God, for the glory of God. Actively participating also, though, in sharing struggles and victories with each other. Struggles and victories. That we may comfort others with the same comfort by which we have been comforted by God with. That we may encourage others, stirring each other up to love and good works. There's also, as we read here, a devotion to communion, the breaking of bread. In 1 Corinthians 11, in fact, we, we partook of communion. We broke bread. By the way, this was immediately following the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And, and what they're referring to right here is the, the, this, what we just enjoyed this morning, what we participated in. Communion, remembering the Lord's death until he comes and doing it as often as we can. Coming together. It doesn't have to be at church. It can be in your home. In the fellowship of other believers. Hey, you know what? Let's partake of communion together. Can we do that? We can do that. You don't have to be anywhere special outside of there. That's designated as that. No, no, no. Communion. You can do that together at any point. At any time. In any place. Because they were just 50 days from when Jesus was crucified. But they weren't about to forsake the commands of God then. And we shouldn't now. They did not want to take for granted and forget what Christ had done for them on the cross. And so they had communion regularly. And there was also the devotion to prayers. Uh, This does not refer to rote prayers. You know, like uh, we would know our father. You know, our father was when the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, you know, can you teach us how to pray? He says, okay, pray like this. Pray like this. In other words, this is an example. It's kind of a a way in which we can start understanding, hey, listen, you're making reference to our Father who is in heaven. He is is the creator of the universe. Keep that in mind as you're coming to pray. Don't, Don't come to him in a flippant manner because you are coming into the very presence of the Lord. The The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. But do we pray at all? 
And do we pray enough? We have access to the Father, but do we take advantage of that access? In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. When we come to him, it, it do us good to confess our sins and to ask him for forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's good for us to come into that time of prayer and kind of prefacing that with just a time of confession. Lord, these are the things that perhaps you have revealed to me. You've brought to the surface. I don't want to come to you just, you know, thinking it, everything's okay if it's not. I want to confess these things and ask for your forgiveness. And then go into that time of prayer. We need to recognize who it is that we're going to. And then in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Hebrews 4 14. It says, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He can sympathize with us. He really can. But at the same time, we need to realize, okay, that in our weaknesses, you know, there's been one who's perfect, blameless, sinless. And one who says, be holy as I am. We shouldn't give up and throw up our hands. We should instead... Again, come humbly before the Lord. Come confidently to him. Draw near to him, to the very throne of grace. Because in that, it's in that place that we will receive mercy and grace to help us in time of need. Let us pray without ceasing. Let us learn how to pray. Do you possess a love, loyalty, and enthusiasm for the word of God, for fellowship, for communion, and for prayer? Because this is, again, foundational to the church. I keep saying that word foundational because this is what we need to get through our, our heads. This is, this is the very foundation upon which we stand as a church. Are you participating in the fellowship of the believers? Because when this happens, you know about how the Lord is working in the lives of other believers. You know, as we saw there, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. You know, this is, as we start to interact with each other... You know, initially it was through the apostles just proving, hey, this is the Lord. We are his apostles and this is what's happening. But rest assured that he's not done with miracles and signs and wonders amongst his people. There are many things that we can be encouraged by, by just being together and coming to know about these things that are happening in each other's lives. We're encouraged and awe comes upon us. In other words, that reverence, that fear of the Lord. He's amazing. And and what happened in your life? And what happened in your life? You know, this last week, let me tell you, this is what happened. And God did this and God did that. I'm telling you, just awe comes upon his people. Because in that day, many signs and wonders were being performed through the apostles. And today, again, many signs and wonders are being performed within the body of Christ, the church. Well, this leads on 
uh, into a practical application of meeting the needs of each other. In verses 44 and 45, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, this was a, this, what this expresses is a devotion to one another. Many of the early Christians that came together in Jerusalem were in need of doing this very thing for each other because many, uh, it was learned, did not have jobs. They, they didn't have uh, the, the means by which they could just simply survive. And so many came together and they did these things in order for them to survive. In other times and in other places throughout the New Testament, we learn of people who had definitely jobs. They had jobs. They had the means to provide. God gave them those means and shared life together. But this was unique to the time in which they were living. Having the need to sell possessions and share with each other those who had needs. Maybe we, maybe we don't see this today to the extent that we see it back then. But there are places around in the world and in other places that this is exactly what's happening. For us, we have other means. As, Amer- as Americans, I'm telling you, we, we are... Oh, we are blessed. We live in a country, in a system, by which everyone has paid into. At this time, it's still there, all right? By which there is support. You can do this thing called retirement. In other places, there's no retirement. You work until you're dead. You know, either that or your children provide for you. You know, if you don't have a family, if you don't have a big family that's providing for you and taking care of you, you know, then you're on your own in a bad way. But today, in America, we have a system by which, you know, the people we've support, we support each other. We really do. What we learn from this is that nothing was holding them back from fellowship. Nothing was holding them back from fellowship. What holds you back from fellowship? Think about that. Their lack didn't drive them away from each other. Rather, they insisted on sticking together and growing together and helping each other out. Sometimes the very thing that we say, well, that provides for my family, that provides for this and that, well, we we allow it to continue on in such a way that it removes us from fellowship. Really, is is that what the Lord wants? There are so many ways in which we can figure out a way to where we can come into consistent fellowship. We really can. We found a way, many ways, right? Be flexible with our work. I remember having a a business for 10 years. And uh, and I saw it as a a way. I didn't didn't want to, you know, my, my whole desire of that business that I had for 10 years was that it gave me the flexibility to serve within the church. That's what it was. So guess what? If there were uh, customers or clients that, that wanted my business like Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, I would tell them, I'm sorry, that appointment is already full. It's already taken care of. You, you can't, you, I can do it maybe Thursday night or Friday night or some other night or Thursday morning, but that's filled. And it was filled. You know what I was doing? I was here. I was here. Did it mean sometimes the loss of work? Yeah. But God provided elsewhere for 10 years. 10 years. And at the end of 10 years, I was able to to sell that thing. 
What takes you away from fellowship? Who's in control? Did you give it to someone else? Or are you in control of that fellowship? Did I say that this was foundational to the fellowship of the saints to the church? It's foundational. Jesus became more important to them than their possessions is what we see here. What would you give up for the sake of another if they were in genuine need also? Think about that. What would you give up? Christians should be known for being generous, not reckless, but being good stewards. But with that being generous, when the moment calls for it, God has been generous with us. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. Galatians 6.10 says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the same type of love that is foundational to the fellowship of the saints. Do you know it? So number one, a devotion to the word of the word and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And secondly, devotion to each other. And thirdly, and lastly, as we wrap up a devotion to corporate worship, we've come together. This is corporate worship. This is doing life together, by the way, also and day by day. Verse 46 Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And a lot of emphasis is placed on that last portion of that last verse. And and it's all together. This is a result of the previous. And that's why I want to emphasize the former so that you would understand that the latter, it's not even our work. Those who are being added to the church, it's not by our own efforts. It's by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Lord does that. But this, what we have here, a result of is doing life together, growing together, worshiping God together. It's the true communion and fellowship of the Lord. And of course, we need to understand this too. It was far from being a perfect church. As we'll see in the coming chapters and we see in other letters in the New Testament. But this is what the church is to be. Nonetheless, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir each other up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The fellowship of the believers. Don't forsake it. Encourage it and do it all the more. As the days continue to become darker we need we need to come together that much more some ways in which this fellowship was described was and and i just want to give you a a list here day by day day by day is is a description they got together day by day Uh, attending the temple together is what we see here you know for us coming together on the first day of the week that's one did you know we have a wednesday night service wednesday at 6 30 every week we come together we're breaking bread together and sometimes we even break bread afterwards. We go to wherever, Del Taco normally, <laughs> and just hang out. This was the description of the church. And so it should be the description of us today. This was attending regular corporate worship, not neglecting the assembly. Secondly, breaking bread in their homes. Regularly, fellowship with each other. In other words, this isn't it. This, this, should, this should not be it right here. Develop friendships. Go outside uh, of the relationships that you've built. Go outside, get to meet some new people, invite them to dinner, lunch, breakfast, go to, go to each other's homes, break bread together, you know. And let me, let me ask you this, please, 
please get out of the little comfort zone that you're in. There, there are a lot more people within the church than perhaps a little clique that you formed. This church, I do not want it to be cliquish because the word also warns us against that. Don't do it. I'm just warning you according to the word of God. Don't do it. Don't be a clique, okay? Get outside. Get to know some people and see how it is that you can be the church. They were also being thankful for their provisions, not being complainers, in other words, about what they didn't have, but being thankful for what they did have. Generous, too, is how they were described. As God was generous with them, they were generous in their, in their giving. Praising God. They were known for coming together, singing God's praises, of chords out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, you know, just praising God with their very lives, by the way they were interacting. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Favor with people. They led a simple life and they learned how to love others by how God loved them. And as they did this, they gained favor with all the people. Just try this. Try just living a a kind and generous, being gentle with others, considering others more than you. Try that outside of here with other people. Uh, Guard your lips, what you say. Be mindful of that, how you think toward other people. Have a burden for the lost. And see how God moves. And, how it, and see how it is that you have favor in the eyes of others. They will love you. Why, why is that? Because you're more interested in them than yourself. You, you, people love that. Right? When you come to work and you say, Hey, Jim, how was your weekend? How's your wife doing, by the way? Oh, you remember what I told you about my wife last week? Yeah. And what about Junior? You know, how's he doing? You know, you're like, man, that's amazing. Because people don't normally do that. They just don't. Learn how to express God's love and others will be drawn to that very love. The Lord added those who were being saved. This is the Lord's work, like I said from the very beginning. He saves and adds. The church receives, teaches, disciples, and teaches how to evangelize and how to live life to God's glory. And this was the birth of the church. The foundation of what we have come to know and experience today. We prayed for a pure church earlier this morning before service. As we come to know God's word and apply it, we'll never be a perfect church, but we can truly be devoted to the things that bring glory to God until we go home to be with them. So three things, a devotion, to the word of, and fellowship, a devotion to each other and a devotion to corporate worship is what we see here. Do you possess, and I, I'm going to ask this one last time, do you possess a love, loyalty, and enthusiasm for the word of God, the fellowship of the saints, and corporate worship? Because a heart that knows God's salvation through Jesus Christ will. He loves you and desires a relationship with you. And as you get to know his love, his love will be expressed through you to others. Why? Because we're new creatures. 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I'll close with this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Father, thank you for loving us the way you have. By sending your son to die on the cross in our place. And I want to pray for the church. That we would be a church that reflects 
what we just went over in these verses. That we would have a devotion to you, a love for you and your word and the fellowship of the saints. That we would be growing or maturing in our understanding of your word as we apply it to our lives again to your glory. For anyone here who does not know you, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. Because it starts there. It starts with a relationship with you. That is the vertical that needs to be taken care of. And the way salvation comes is by grace, by your grace, through faith, believing in Jesus Christ. That he is the son of God, that he died on the cross for me. He was buried and three days later rose from the grave. And today sits at the right hand of you, the father, and intercedes on behalf of us. For those, salvation has come. And I pray that today would be the day. In Jesus' name.